0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen today and every day, free and available on all podcasting platforms, apps, sources, uh, radio transmission somewhere, maybe, but who knows? I am Jeff Ellis, if this is your first show. I used to be the lead MLB draft and prospect analyst over at Scout in 24-7, before Scout ran out of money and 24-7 got rid of baseball. Now, I'm primarily locked on. Occasionally you can find me when I do feel like writing about the draft over at my blog, which is NFL, or NFL, nope, <laughs> MLB Draft uh, now.blogspot.com. I was jokingly thinking to myself today uh you know i feel for every browns writer right now because now they know what it's like to be an indians writer the team is having the most success it has had uh in decades and everyone is just so focused on the negative including sometimes the writers because i'll be honest with you you get why does skip bayless exist why does he make more money than like most uh sports commentators out there Negativity sells. And that's what we are constantly seeing. I mean, it's, Tony Grozy has made his entire career off of negativity sells. That is his whole shtick. So, uh, if you're out there and you're feeling it, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I still like this Browns team. I still like the talent being put together on the field. The fact that we're getting mad. I uh, know this is Locked On Indians, so I'm not going to go any deeper in that. But it just it's amazing to me right now. But I feel for Browns writers. I feel for Jeff over at Locked On. Browns. Still a successful run. <laughs> this is what I'm so used to seeing as someone who covers the Indians, where it's we are coming off of, let's be honest, we are coming off of, we're not coming to, we're coming off of the most successful recent run in team history, and uh, still very negative outlooks for many. And I know I get accused of being negative, but still, let's. I just wanted to point that out there. Zach Meisel has a great piece on Rubenia Blah. If you have The Athletic, go read it. If you don't, well, you know, I... I pay for the athletic, I'm going to be honest, that is something I pay for. I enjoy the hockey content on there, I enjoy uh, the NBA content, and I enjoy the baseball content. I don't get as much into the football on there, but I do enjoy a lot of the other pieces. That's part of the reason why I pay for it. So I recommend going on and reading that. If you want more Ruben to able to talk, I am going to be talking with Javi from On Padres tomorrow. Originally it was going to be tonight, instead it's going to be tomorrow. Uh, you're going to hear me talk about the former left-handed reliever slash outfielder, uh, from Azazu Pacific. We're going to go deep. I have all of the stats and numbers pulled up. So I, I pre-prepared for that show. Today, I'm going to be honest, we're bringing a little more than normal. My my notes were in preparation for that talk. Uh, instead, we're going to you know look at some history. We're going to talk about what's going on around the league. Uh, right now, it's looking like, fingers crossed, the Cheaters are going to lose. I just, I, Arizona's Arizona. I like Arizona. I like the Diamondbacks. I like what they're building out there. Uh, the Astros are a team I'm, I'm never going to like. I can't be the only one out there thinking about. There's a, okay, this is your kind of not safe for work moment here because uh, I'm going to mention a South Park title uh, referencing in this. But uh, there's an episode called Eek a Penis. Again, I apologize. I gave you that warning there. Uh, now it's safe for work again. And in that episode, uh, there's this great bit about cheating. If you, you if you know this one, you probably know it already. But all I could think about all day was like the whole bit about Bill Belichick and cheating. And like, and the one time they didn't cheat, they lost. And uh, I don't know why I'm trying to do the, uh, the accent that Carbon does, as it's kind of uh, not great for me to even attempt that. But uh, move beyond that he's making fun of the movie Stand and Deliver, the Edward James almost fell, uh, movie and combining it while making fun of uh, people who cheating in America. And, uh, you know, the Astros, after all, they're cheating to lose like they are. It's it, it just, I'm enjoying it. I am enjoying the schadenfreude of it. I am sorry, I am. And I do feel bad for the fans. I'll say that again, because it's not like the fans cheated. The fans have this very complex feeling now about the championship they won and its taintedness, because it is 100% tainted. Uh, and, but for that organization, I am so happy, this is not just the cheating, it's also, remember the, uh, the jerk that they fired last year, who needed to be extremely aggro against female reporters, and by the way would be their GM right now if he hadn't done that Uh, there's a lot of things were going wrong in that organization that went beyond the cheating, but that's just part of the part of the, you know, the the tip of the iceberg as it were, so yes, I am enjoying them losing, Uh, I am constantly thinking about that south park episode as well uh but the the nice thing i mean season's almost over and like you're like why is that a nice thing because it means we can get to the off season we can get to the point where things are going to happen for this team uh hopefully we'll see some movement something to help consolidate a roster we'll get some news but and you know new ownership is there going to be money invested in this team finally uh finally there'll be something other than them just losing you know Uh, coaching and managers and the like, Uh, that is what we're looking forward to. That is what we cannot wait to see because it's just been, like I said, this off season has been us as fans sitting around watching uh, coaches and management leave and the team just kind of sit there with nothing to announce. So I'm looking forward to the season ending. Once it ends, that means things can start happening. Things can start happening for the Indians. Wheels can be put in motion and the like. We're going to take our first commercial break right here. We will come back and talk a little history. Let's take a time and talk about the Spotify Green Room. I did one of them on Monday. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I host Locked on Indians. It's going to be bi weekly from now on maybe tri-weekly, and you can join in on the conversation that you listen to here every day. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to big news or rumors. You have a chance to chat with me, maybe even appear on an episode of the show through Green Room Conversations. So go download the free Green Room Room app right now, currently available on iOS and in beta on Android. That is what I used was the Android one. The one downside to that, if I'm being honest, the chat feature doesn't work, like the typing chat, but we can still visually talk. (laughs) Or visually talk, no, audibly talk. Uh, So be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NFL, MLB, or NHL group for the latest league updates. Uh, And follow me on there to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't wanna miss it. I plan to go live. Typically late nights on Saturday. Uh, I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts about the Indian slash Guardian. See you there. Green room. Changing the way we talk about sports. Okay. So I know I said I was going to talk history, but if you listened to yesterday's show, the original plan before I talked with Javi was to make this our draft day. So let's do some draft talk. I threw it out on Twitter. What draft class do you want to hear me uh, cover? And I got from at Bupa... 1219 Joshua Nathan Strong to cover the um, 2012 class. We're going to get into this one. This is a fascinating class for a lot of reasons. So what makes 2012 so interesting? Well, it's the first one that used the slotting system. Uh, and The Indians tried an approach in that class that is a terrible approach. Uh, We did not know it at the time. I thought it was a good approach. I had no issue at the time. I say it's a terrible approach because now we have seen through, I mean, what, this past year was the, almost 10 years since the slotting system went into effect, that uh, doing what the Indians did is not successful. Now, that doesn't mean the teams aren't trying it still. Oh, they most certainly are. We have seen uh, Baltimore, in particular, do a variant on this. And the top overall pick, in many regards, was a variant on the idea of signing someone under slot and spreading that money around. As I have talked about it, if you've listened to the show, it's essentially trading down it is the trading down of the major league baseball draft because you save more money and by having that extra money you can go over slot and sign a player who uh is left on the board because they didn't get the money they wanted now it can be done well again the astros with carlos cray i thought cray was the number two player in this class when you went back and look at uh he might be the number one uh, and he was selected number one and he got about 1.2 less than byron buxton and Uh, and I I looked at you know this overall class there were a lot of players who were good but not great even then it was a conflicted top of the class I remember writing maybe my first draft article was on uh, Lucas Giolito and how he could be the first right-handed pitcher right-handed prep pitcher to go first overall and then he promptly blew his arm out Uh, he ended up you know being pretty good though you know there's some other names we'll get into but it worked for the Astros because they still signed an elite talent. They didn't go way off their board. So what did the Indians do in round one? They have the 15th overall pick, and you know the Reds and the White Sox. The White Sox, until what this past year, had not drafted a prep player in the first round since this draft, where they took Courtney Hawkins. Not to sell my old buddy Tony the story, under you know uh, sell him out here, but that's who I remember Tony wanted. He wanted that high ceiling guy. Hawkins went off board. Two point four five seven. He cost a lot of money and was just a disaster. Nick Trevisono to the Reds was just an awful draft pick. Even at the time, it was a bit of a reach, and he cost two million. Uh, Lucas Giolito was the big name. He went one pick after for almost three million dollars. The Indians took Taylor Tyler Naquin uh, with the fifteenth overall pick. He was not fifteenth on any board. He was in the late twenties. He was a left fielder who most people thought could be an elite defender in center, best arm in the class, and uniformly, every single scouting report you will find on him said best hit tool amongst the college hitters, which also just speaks to how badly we evaluate hit tool. And I've talked about that many times on the show, but yeah, it's based on like how a swing looks, not how a player. It needs to be the whole picture. Like, Can this guy work a count? Does he walk? Does he have an eye at the plate? Does he use the whole field? Instead of just like, oh, he hit 300 and it's a nice looking swing, which is unfortunately what it was. Uh, You know, the Indians were linked to a lot of the college pitchers, the Michael Walkas, who, I mean, man, did that fall apart for him. Good career, but remember how hyped he was for a time? Uh, Chris Stratton was another name. Uh, Now, honestly, with this pick, if I am being 100% honest, I want a Richie Schaefer. He was my number one player left. He went 25th to the Rays. I thought that was a fantastic pick by them. Uh, you might remember him for his really good season in AAA with the Indians. He ended up 51 games in the big leagues. My number two, so you can give me some credit here with my number two, would have been uh, Marcus Stroman. I was really high on Stroman. His, the fact that he was undersized, I knew he was being well, well undervalued. Uh, he was definitely the number two for me. And then Giolito would have been my third. Corey Seager, actually that was the highest war of anyone who went later in the first round. He wasn't really on my board as much as I thought he was a... Th- he definitely a third baseman I thought he could hit. He was a little bit lower down. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Giolito would not have been three. That would have been Stephen Piscotti who went uh, to the Cardinals. And honestly, Piscotti would have been two. Strowman would have been three. I forgot about Piscotti. So then you're looking at number five being Giolito. Uh, now, this is top of my head, but I can very distinctly remember... Schaefer and Piscotti were the guys I really liked in this class. And then after that uh, was that kind of next grouping. Gallo was really interesting, but I was always afraid of that profile. So I know he was not as high, even though I I was very familiar with him. He was one of those players who was super famous already. probably had some like Ty Hensley who went to the Yankees or I bet, you know, actually I bet my fifth guy would have been Victor Roche who went 28 to the Brewers. This is when the Brewers were just struggling 27th and 28th picks in the first round. Neither guy made it to the big leagues. This was also the last year before they massively changed how the compensation system works. Cause the first round with comp picks had 60 selections. That's right. 60 selections, famous names who went late in round one, Matt Olson with Oakland, Jess Winkler, With um, the Reds, how about Patrick Wisdom with the big year he had? He was 52nd to the Cardinals. Uh, Mitch Haniger went 38th to the Brewers. You might have forgotten that is where the Brewers got him. That's right. They had already picked twice. He was their third selection in this draft class uh, because they lost Prince Fielder. And uh, both those picks were because of Prince Fielder because this was back when you got a team's first rounder plus a comp pick when you lost a guy you got two picks back in the day uh so i mean who should the indians have drafted here if you're just looking pure war uh it's probably Corey seeker right like that's the guy who has the highest value of any player who's still left on the board uh one could make a case for you know a Strowman or a matt olson but the reason you're making that case is because seeker is already a free agent and uh Olsen has more years of control, and that's just because it took Olsen longer to hit the big leagues. Uh, Jess Winkler, same deal. So it's uh, we even had an Ohio kid. It's been a while since we had an Ohio kid in the first round. Matt Smoral went to the Blue Jays at pick 50. He was from Solon High School. Vargara uh, Vargara who went to Tampa in round two a few years ago. And since then, it's been very quiet in the Ohio high school ranks. But yeah, the uh, Naquin, and the big thing here is he cost $1.75 million dollars. He had the lowest bonus of anyone in the top 20 picks and they used that money on to, to go over slot on several players in rounds two, let's see, round two, three, four, five, seven, eight were all over slot. In the sixth round, they took a senior sign, uh, kind of a shot in the dark type, and they took a senior sign in the ninth and 10th round. We'll come back and discuss how those senior signs ended up being better than all of the players that they gave big money to. Uh, And, of course, the great turn of effect and how they ended up with some of the least successful picks they have ever had in those rounds, even though they paid them big money. And then the senior signs who got, you know, the smallest amounts possible gave them, you know, the most production in this class. Listen, I love Thanksgiving. All the good foods and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's a perfect time for Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories, and that's at a low end. Most built bars are 130 to 170 and only have 4 grams of sugar with 15 to 17 grams of protein. Replace the coconut cream with a coconut built bar. Or go for a raspberry built bar instead of one of those berry pies. Lots of good flavors. Replace any pie, and if you act soon, pumpkin. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for built. Go for a built bar or two. That's what I did for lunch today. Share some with the whole family. Give some to that aunt who's never tried it before. Uh, new surprises all month. Limited time flavors are arriving at Built Bar regularly, so check that site often. And there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. I am going to be doing it. I can guarantee you that now. I love Built Bar. I will be going there on Black Friday. Go to built.com. Use that promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order you're like me, a repeat customer, you also get built bucks, which then allow you to save even more. Go check out Built Bar for yourself today. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated. Desktop or mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% 5.0 welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use that promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games and poker. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So the Indians. Had big savings around one. And I really liked second round pick Mitch Brown. It just didn't come together for him. Uh, he was a player who had some first round hype. You know, dad was a power lifter. I thought that was a great story. Cold weather arm from Minnesota. He really liked those Minnesota arms for a while. He was a little bit undersized, but he was like the safe prep guy. And then he just, it never came together. He, he started to miss some bats once he moved to more of a relief role. Uh, 2018 was his last year in the organization. Actually, it was not bad in 2018, in 41, 45.1 innings, 1.99 ERA. Uh, you know, walk, uh, strikeout per nine of 10.3, but what did him in the walk point nine of 7.1. For his career, his walk rate was 5.3. He could just never get that control down enough to be reliable, and that's you know the control was an issue. He moved into the pennant. became a bigger issue for him. Uh, and that was, unfortunately, all they wrote. Who could they have gotten in round two? I mean, that's that's always, do we really, yeah, you know, we have to tread those dangerous and sad waters. Top pick in round two was Alex Wood. That's who the Indians could have had. Carson Kelly uh, is your number two guy. Tyrone Taylor with the Brewers is probably who I'd put three right now. Uh, going down through the list, you're like, well, there's got to be some guys who, you know, could break out. You I know, mean, a lot of players have played, but uh, not a lot of guys have played Great. So it's not a big loss. The second round was kind of an ugly round in general for this draft class. Once you get past Alex Wood, and and Woods battled health issues his whole time. They saved big money, and maybe you know one of my favorite picks, one of the best people they drafted was Kieran Lovegrove. Uh, He's been in the news always for something good. Originally from, born in South Africa, Uh, had a charity to get uh, baseball equipment to you know uh, poor. Kids, kids who came from less means. A lot of things that, like, recently came out. Um, you know, I'm not going to... I can't remember exactly what his sexuality label was, but that was the most recent talk with him. Uh, I believe it was by, but it could be wrong there. Uh, again, third round, Edwin Diaz of the Mariners is your top pick. Tom Murphy, the catcher. I really liked that selection at the time. Uh, to the Rockies, Andrew Toles, who that's a sad story isn't he the the guy who like was successful for the dodgers but then it it ended up like had some mental issues oh i really hope i'm telling the right one yeah and then he you know he he was a very successful player and ended up living on the streets there's stories you can track down it's extremely unfortunate again not the most successful round so hey the indians got that going for him it's not like they could have really hit on a lot here uh, unfortunately, Lovegrove, you know, he hasn't given up the dream. He was pitching in the minors this past. I think he finally did retire this past year. Again, the command was never quite there. They couldn't, and that's one of those things we now see them intentionally targeting guys with a good command. That is harder to fix than anything else. Devon McClure. This was when the uh, the Indians like to draft Arkansas talent, guys from Arkansas, and players that were committed to the University of Arkansas. Here was that high upside guy. And from Jacksonville High School in Arkansas. And he was, you know, one of the best athletes in system, and then he couldn't hit. I mean, highest OPS. Uh, never got past Mahoning Valley. You know, rookie bomb Mahoning Valley. After four years in the organization, he was out. OPS 632 was the highest it ever got just had all the tools but couldn't put it together and when you look at him and Dylan Howard those were two I mean uh McClure was the third highest bonus in this draft class after Brown and Naquin and uh he didn't get very far I was one that that was a stinger there round three uh sorry round four in this draft class uh Christian Walker the first baseman with the Rockies Ty uh, Boutre to the Red Sox. He got $1.3 million. That's a pretty big amount. Rio Ruiz got a big amount. That was part of that money savings. Uh, again, not the most successful round so far. This draft class after that first round. But that's also 60 picks in the first round means kind of all of these picks are essentially a round later than they would normally be. Uh, moving on. Uh, Dylan Baker. We still don't really know what he would have been like if dude could have been healthy. Uh, he was... You know, Threw really hard, then got hurt and missed all of 2016 and was not quite the same guy. Uh, Independent baseball this past year did spend some time in the Reds organization. He could miss bats. The walk rate wasn't as bad, uh, you know, under four for his career. Just health. Health is what held him back in overall. uh, Originally, like from Alaska or pitched in Alaska. I'm trying to remember. He had an Alaska connection. So the fifth round uh, is one of the best. In this entire draft class outside you know it's after you get past the first round this is definitely the stellar chris taylor uh went to the mariners max muncie went to the athletics malik smith went to the padres ross stripling to the dodgers austin nola to the marlins tyler duffy to the twins I and mean, those are all guys who have been contributors uh to major league teams and you can go through with other names as going down this list but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's one of the, the deepest, best groupings we have had overall. That's the second best class in this entire class. Uh, the sixth round, the Indians take a senior sign because they got to save some more money. They've given all these high signed guys, so they, they draft a guy who you know it's kind of a punted pick because you're only giving him ten grand, which is almost as small as you can get. Uh, they're just they need to save that money for other players, so they're punting this pick. When they draft Joey Wendell, uh, best pick in the entire round. Jake Lamb and Brett Phillips are your next two. And then a lot of old friend alerts. How about the fact that Nick Goody and Eric Stometz were both uh, taken in this round? fantastic pick. One of the best six-round picks in the history of the Indians organization. Uh, One of the best senior signs. One of their best recent draft picks in general. Unfortunately, he never played for them. Uh, it's, It's his own situation that we can spend all the time we want to on it. Uh, I mean, 11.3 war, I mean, this entire draft class, the rest of this class produced four war. Uh, he has blown the rest of it out of the water. It's, it's unfortunate. They come back in the seventh round with Josh McAdams. He had changed his last name after being drafted. I can't remember what it was when he was drafted. Jacob Stallings, Kyle Barclough, and former Indians, short-time guys you might remember, Andrew Velasquez, the shortstop, and Hobie Milner, who was a reliever, also taken uh, in this round. Uh, McAdams, it was, it was not good. He's another one, two hundred fifty thousand here, and I don't think he ever got out of like he um, he did get to Lake County, but he was a player that you know, his minor league WAR was five nineteen or minor league WAR, minor league OPS, uh, athletic, big power potential, just could not get it together, and it was a relatively quick in and out of the Indians' minors with him. And I, I mean, I was, this is the thing, this draft class, I was so excited for all of these picks. It just, it was a lot of that though. It was a lot of like, oh, this is interesting. It's, you know, struggles in the low minors. Uh, Drew Steckenrider of the Marlins, uh, now with the Mariners. It's two picks from the Marlins to the Mariners uh, in this draft class, but he is clearly the top guy here. In the ninth round, they take Jacob Lee for, he gets a uh, 2004 uh, very cheap senior sign they needed that money again he was he was a good uh, good soldier in the uh, for the Indians through the minor leagues pitched at a lot of levels up and down and all over best war in that class Nick Wickren Uh, Joey Ricard is number two the former rule five pick and then wanted to look here Rowan Wick who, and I wanted to look him up because I've talked about him as a potential trade candidate from the Cubs. He's the third best pick, went to the Cardinals, was drafted as a catcher, which is always interesting to see that in general. Michael Roth went in, uh, went this round to the Angels. He had been a, he had one of the most decorated college pitchers at the time, went back to school. He nearly signed with the Indians after being a junior, so I wanted to comment on him. And then the 10th round, another senior signed. Josh Martin gets $500,000. Josh Martin... Nearly made it to the big leagues with the Indians. He was a Rule 5 pick to the Padres. I feel bad for the guy that he did not get across that barrier, that he did not get into the big leagues um, with any team. But to get as far as he did, get as close to be a Rule 5 selection, that's great. How about the fact that Paul Seawald went to the Mets and got $1,000? That's it, $1,000. Uh, it had a great year this past year with the seattle mariners that's like two of their massive pen pieces right there taking it in this draft class that's just kind of cool to see uh those players who overcome, so you got to feel good about that uh who else made it lewis head we were talking about him this year because he was pitching the big leagues uh this past season i'm starting to remember with who that he reappeared with tampa that's right he reappeared with tampa he just never gave up the dream after he left cleveland in 2018 was in the dodgers minor league system with Tampa this past year and got up to the big leagues for 27 games that is awesome at the age of 31 that is fantastic like Head was one of those guys was always around another great organizational soldier good for him I'm very happy for him uh and the numbers were not were strong like I don't think I think he probably is gonna survive their 40-man situation Though it is bad there, so if there's a place where someone wouldn't survive, it's there. So I just realized I missed Caleb Hambrick, who was the Texas righty a lot of people really liked in the 8th round. Uh, that it just it didn't work out for him either, did not get very far in the system. Uh, I just completely moved past him. And then the other player to make the big leagues was uh, 26th round pick Justin Garza, who they failed to sign. And he ended up uh, going to... what college did he go to? I'm blanking a... I'd have to go look it up. Was it like Fullerton? Maybe was it? Yes, it was Fullerton. Oh, the useless information in my head. Uh, but this is one of those classes too. Like normally, there's a few big names in here, like Paul Hendricks, Corey Rayleigh. Rayleigh was interesting as like a football player. Um, so, but there wasn't the the traditional guy who goes on to become a a big prospect and comes a high pick years later. Uh, you know, and you have Nick Hamilton, son of Tom, gets drafted and signed in the 35th round. Joe Sever, who was a good, another one of those good organizational soldiers out of Pepperdine. Uh, his mom is the twin sister of John Elway, who they took in the uh, 21st round. So some interesting names. Uh, Andrew Kalika in the 17th round. He's the first player who doesn't sign in this class. They would redraft him as a senior in the 11th round trying to remember where he went to school and then he like would get all the way up to double a uh work his way through the minors and he was a smart kid i think he was a was he a, another santa Barbara guy with uh he might have been there like overlapping with bieber but he was a smart kid and i believe he left to go like into finance like to go get a master's degree he he did eight games in 2019 and he was like it's not gonna happen like he had been 764 OPS the year before, repeated the level, he's 24 years of age, he's like, eh, I gave it my try. He got, I believe he got a six figure signing bonus as an 11th round pick. And then just decided like, okay, you know, I I gave it the try, I'm gonna go do something else now. 2012 class, it's not a failure. It's not, there's no way you could call this class a failure. Joey Wendell alone carries it beyond. Uh, If we are talking just about Indians first round picks, Tyler Naquin is still accumulating WAR, and already he is ty- He is. Oh, now I got to do some counting. This is unfortunate for me. He is the 15th highest WAR of any first-round pick in team history. Uh, they have had 73 picks. Now, technically, he's 16th, but I'm not counting players who did not sign. So John Curtis, you don't count. Sorry to John Curtis and his family. But uh, he is currently one spot behind Jared Wright, one spot ahead of Bradley Zimmer. Uh, Paul Shuey would be next on the list. Uh, though he'd have to get a big, significant jump. He'd have to double his WAR at all to tie Paul Shuey where he is right now uh, in terms of value. He needs one more war-win value to get past Jared Wright uh, to, to move up that list. But yeah, he's 15th best, uh, however you want to view that. Uh, it's, it's not ideal, but it could be worse. The rest of the picks, you know, it, it's definitely lesson learned i think that is what you look at this this is because that 2011 class is a phenomenal class it's one of the best in the union's history after years frankly before bud grant kind of took over the i mean it'd been a disaster under shapiro there's no other way around it and under harder it would have been awful as well those two guys could not draft and the people in place the drafting was not strong and the 2011 class was great and they started to change their approach uh they and they would do more so of that but you also see the change in just like, okay, they drafted a lot of electric and interesting arms with control issues, and now they don't do that anymore. You can see how things have adjusted and changed over time. Uh, like I said, Wendell makes it a solid class. Uh, they don't really have too much. It's Wendell and it's Naquin and really nothing else in terms of who provided future value uh, to teams. You take it, you'll take two... Uh, multi-year major league contributors in a draft class. I know it's weird to say that when they have like 40, 50 selections, but especially because at the time, you know, 12 of those selections weren't going to sign anyways. Uh, It's an improvement over, definitely an improvement over what you saw in some of those other classes that we'll eventually dig into. But yeah, it's, it's hard to get past the fact that the joy window of it all. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. Remember, rate and review, download daily. I want to thank you for making it your first listen today and every day available on all podcasting platforms. Uh, go check out Lockdown Browns. I gave Jeff and Lockdown Browns a shout out earlier today. They're dealing with things I've had to deal with for years about a team that, uh, that people want to rip apart even when it's doing the best it's done in a while. Uh, thank you all for listening. Tomorrow, talking with Javi, locked on Padres, getting deep into the Ruben Niebla situation. Probably going to talk some Cal Quantrell and others. And again, as we say now, go, go, Guardians go.